Hi, this is Glenn Friedman, CEO of Prager Medicine International and host of Inside the C-Suite, The Journey. I want to thank NJBIA for their support. And today we're joined by my friend John Harmon of the African American Chamber of Commerce in New Jersey. How are you doing, John? Hey, Glenn, I'm just delighted to be here. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. You know, I was wondering, John, when do you stop saying Happy New Year? Hey, whenever you feel like it. <laughs> especially, especially the folks you haven't spoken to coming into the new year. So this is our first time. So I thought it might be appropriate. Right? It may start to taper off as we get close to the end of the month. All right. Well, happy rest of the new year. How about that, John? So, that works so John, you know, you're an incredibly interesting guy. And what we like to talk about inside the C-suite, the journey, is how'd you get here? Let, let's talk a little bit about little John and um, his upbringing and, and what his journey was to, to the C-suite. Well, I thank you again for the opportunity. You know, I come from Trenton, Trenton, New Jersey, capital city, the county seat, uh, the, the uh, George Washington crossing the Delaware and all that. But I'm one of seven kids, uh, first one to kind of go to college. And, um, you know, I went to Fairleigh Dickinson uh, University and upon graduating from there, I worked in banking in New York for New York and Philadelphia about 10 years. And um, I got involved with some folks around 1997 who were looking to launch a, a chamber of commerce as a vehicle to bring um, the black community in Trenton at that time that was experiencing somewhat of a renaissance into the economic mainstream. And um, so as a founding member, then subsequently, by default, two years later, I became president of the organization because the then president decided to um, put more time in with his business. And um, so I, I ran the Metropolitan Trenton African-American Chamber for uh, approximately 10 years. And then in 2007, I founded the African-American Chamber of Commerce of New Jersey. And um, this year we celebrate our 15th year. Wow, that's some story. So, so John, we have a lot in common because believe it or not, I was the first person in my family to graduate college. And uh, let, let's talk about education a minute. You know, would you be here without that education? The, the, the short answer is no, and, uh, and the thing that you just shared is uh, we have a lot in common, and I think that gets lost sometimes when people from different communities, different ethnic backgrounds don't have any um, association or cross-pollinization, and then once we have a, a chat like today, we realize that, hey, our story probably starts in the same place. You mean uh, when you were a kid, you would sit around the table and have dinner, and you guys would talk about how you were going to be a CEO someday, right? <laughs> well, I don't think that was my conversation. That might have been yours. My my conversation was, you know, is there another extra biscuit for me, or an extra piece of chicken? But uh, I started <laughs> initially. Uh, I wanted to be a mechanic. Uh, I wanted to work on trucks. And um, I did that in cars upon graduating high school. 
So I kind of stumbled in the college. And uh, as I said, um, at the poor set, no one in my family uh, was a college grad. My parents didn't finish high school. So our conversations around the dinner table and our network was probably a little different um, from yours and others. Well, believe it or not, we've got something else in common because uh, this was not contemplated around my dinner table. Um, and plus, probably there was a lot too much screaming going on to uh, imbibe uh, what it took to be the CEO. So, so tell me, you know, how much of it is on-the-job training, and how much of it, you know, is is John and who John is? Well, you know, I mentioned, um, you know, around 2007, I founded this organization, but 2003, up until that time, and we didn't get going in earnest until, you know, late 2009. So a lot of it was on the job training in terms of, you know, researching what um, capitalism, free enterprise was all about, um, getting connected with the U.S. Chamber around 2001 and the National Black Chamber around 2001 and working with a number of, or networking with a number of regional cha chambers and, and Trenton, and, and also in Princeton, and other areas. So I became kind of a student, if you will, of, of the chamber business and, and business in general. And uh, I didn't mention that, you know, uh, I worked six, well, I established my own business in, in 1989. So I ran a transportation company for 16 years. So that helped me also in my, my, um, I guess my pathway to where I'm currently. So before we get a little bit into capitalism, uh, tell me about your, your your mistakes. You know, how much do you learn from your mistakes? Well, I I think I learned a lot from my mistakes, and I think one acknowledging that you made a mistake, and also two acknowledging what you don't know. I think that has been a, uh, a significant part of my my personal development in my understanding of business today and being able to help businesses today because I can relate to some of the struggles and some of the challenges, but also having the, the commitment to um, being successful so you gotta stay with it. Yep. That's where I that's what kept me up at night playing that tape over and over again on those mistakes and uh yeah and absolutely. Well, sorry. you can learn an awful lot. So let, let's get into uh a subject that's near and dear to both of us. We both uh, are capitalists. We both believe in capitalism. Um, and and what we really, I mean, we've talked about this, but it, it's like it almost hasn't been unlocked or unleashed, sort of capitalism in the black community. And you want to take this country by storm? Did you give the black community capitalism? And I'll tell you what, I know they're going to run with it. So. So tell me what's been lacking or what hasn't, how, how that secret gets buried or doesn't come to the forefront of the black community. Well, you know, um, this conversation about um, capitalism, free enterprise and socialism has been politicized by a certain group for political gain. And, um, but when I came up in Trenton, there were a number of entrepreneurs on every corner in the city of Trenton. So if you look at the, um, when I grew up there, um, I was born in 1960, so 
Uh, Trenton is a uh, a city of about almost 90,000 people. It was probably a little more at that time. Uh, and today it's north of 50% black, but on pretty much every corner, there were black owners of stores, um, grocery stores. Um, some folks would say convenience stores today, or the liquor stores, the bars, uh, the takeout restaurants were all, all black owned in Trenton. Uh, the vendors that some of the little flea markets that occurred, um, you know, guys would sell uh, fruit and produce on the corners. Um, so that's the environment I grew up in. My dad, notwithstanding his limited um, education, he was an entrepreneur. Uh, he and his father migrated here from Virginia. They ran a um, there was a place in Robbinsville called FH Valsing, and they ran three shifts um, as a potato processing operation. And then my dad owned trucks to deliver, and they were recruiting people to come work there, and folks started businesses. So I don't know where that narrative got lost within the Black community, but it's definitely um, one in which there's a lot of debate today. Um, Consumer-wise, we spend $1.4 trillion annually in the United States, and it's projected in 20, by 2024, we will be at $1.8 trillion in annual consumer spend. So if those dollars got recycled into Black businesses at you know a 50 or 60% clip, that could be transformation. That's interesting. And and so I can only tell you, I, I, I plead guilty to being the CEO of an accounting firm, and we need people. And so when I look back at, at my career, and I went to school in Newark, um, there weren't really any um, Blacks or African Americans studying accounting, let alone business administration. So tell me how we, how we, we, we attract those folks and we teach those kids to, to get into those types of programs so that we can support this notion of Black-owned businesses and capitalism. You know, John Harmon went and studied business administration in college. He didn't study mechanics. He, he already did that. And by the way, I see a sign on every corner. There are mechanics needed. So if this fails for you, um, you got a shot. You, you don't have to go hungry. No, no, absolutely. I mean, so I, I think for me, it starts with one seeing yourself in the narrative. You talked about conversations that might have been had at your dinner table and, and the people that were within your community, within your network. And so seeing those individuals, you may um, have aspirations to be that type of person. And so I would say, and, and so in my, in my community, seeing um, Black men and women in suits um, talking about business, um, we have to do more of that. So I was thinking as you, we were talking earlier, when I grew up in Trenton, they were insurance salesmen, people coming to your house in suits trying to sell insurance or vacuum cleaners or what have you. These were all entrepreneurs. The guy who ran the uh, auto detail shop was an entrepreneur. The gas station down at the end of the block or repair shop. These were all entrepreneurs, but 
getting more into the, that professional sector. You talk about um, accountants, lawyers. Um, um, so you run the gamut. I think through a relationship with the chamber, we could share this this conversation and get folks to understand that one, someone with, with a four-year education versus none is over their lifetime is going to make about a million dollars more versus someone without a, a, a degree. So that's one box we can check off. But getting them to understand that, you know, going into professions of business, you know, accounting and auditing into, you know, there's a whole, you know, finance. There are a number of opportunities, banking, that they could pursue wherein that they would be on a trajectory one to uh, afford themselves not only a better lifestyle for themselves, but for their families and on a path to potentially create some generational wealth. That's interesting because, you know, I, I, I sit on some boards and I show up at those board meetings and frankly, I, I'm always disappointed because almost everybody in the meeting looks like me and they're all tripping over themselves along with the rest of corporate America, fighting over the, the small um, population of uh, African Americans that everybody wants to get on their board, right? Or everybody wants to bring into their organization. And so the question is, how do you expand that population, right? And and for me, everybody wants everything now, right? You live in a very now society. Why can't there be a, a, a great plan that says, you know what? Do the math, right? If you go into the grammar schools and you go in before high school. And you start to teach the things you're talking about, right? And you start to demonstrate the opportunity. And you put programs in place, not for, for, for the front end or the back end. I don't know whether it's the front or the back. But if you start with those kids today and you touch X amount of children, how many of those children will succeed and grow into good capitalists, if you will? And, I mean, there's got to be some science behind that. There's got to be some math that some, some brilliant person could do. but it's an investment in the future. And today, people don't want to roll it back and invest in the future. They just want to start at the, at the back end and all fight over the scraps, if you will. Um, and I'll probably get yelled at for saying that. But, but to me, you know, I heard a saying on a TV show of all things that I was listening to the other day. And they basically said, we need to plant trees, um, but I won't be around to enjoy the shape. And, and so the question is, how do we go? And look at how long it takes to plant a tree, right? So why can't yeah. we go down to those grammar schools and really start to plant those trees? And why is there no political will to do that? Why is it always the simple, short answer? Well, I think you're asking all the right questions. So if you use Major League Baseball as an example, they now have set up shop in the Dominican Republic, shop in Venezuela, uh, where they have given these young athletes, good fields to play on, the training to, to kind of nurture the talent, and then they recruit them. So they have a farm system, a pipeline to bring them in to keep the, the game playing at a high level and competitive. We should have the same strategy as it relates to our high schools today. So I gave the example of seeing yourselves in the narrative, many young people, particularly in urban settings, they see the high-flying basketball players shooting the three-point shot. They see entertainers living this glamorous lifestyle. 
And so they have they have the desire to do the same, but they can do this and do that because playing ball, you can get hurt the first day you come on the court in your career, sure, but you still need a good education and a, and a good second option uh, when you either uh, fail because of an injury or your career is short for some reason. So I, um, I know here at the Chamber, we have a leadership program and uh, Enterprise Rent-A-Car has sponsored the program in Patterson. So we're teaching young men and women to be a little more career focused. Uh, Johnson & Johnson has given us resources to roll out another chapter in um, New Brunswick. So we're working with the district now to stand it up. So we're taking kind of a direction from you, if, we, if you will, to help this next generation be in a better position to transition and integrate into this free enterprise system. And hopefully they'll have a better life than, than I had coming up as well as you. Well, I got to say, to me, the single most important thing that John's organization can and will do is uh, bring up young people. And uh, that, frankly, is what will keep capitalism going. And I know of no system that has brought more people out of poverty than capitalism in the world. And so I'm a big proponent of capitalism. And uh, I think you're, you're not looking at, but you're hearing two people that, but for capitalism, probably wouldn't be living the way we live. And, no. uh, well, but other than that, he dresses better than I dress. Uh, <laughs> so, well, that's a choice. Yeah, I want to thank John for being here today. I want to thank him for the good work he's doing. I, I would love it if everybody listening to this can just really be supportive of, of his organization and uh, NJBIA. And I want to thank you all for being here today. And uh, I guess Happy New Year as John would say. Thank Absolutely. you all. Thank you, my friend.